Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Bustin' Loose Baseball, hosted by Grant Paulson and Toby Altizer, gives you in-depth analytics and interviews on everything baseball in the nation's capital. Now, here's your host, Grant Paulson and Toby Altizer. This is Bustin' Loose Baseball, episode 82, alongside Toby Altizer. I'm Grant Paulson. Where to begin? Well, I guess we could just start with the Nats crashing back down to earth. We're recording this podcast on Tuesday. Uh, forgive us for being a day late. We, uh, we're out with fam for the holiday, but five straight losses. They're about to lose their sixth in a row, barring an epic comeback, because Patrick Corbin is getting shelled. So it'll be six in a row, and assuming nothing crazy happens here, uh, eight of nine, they were on a heater. It stretched several weeks. They had played to within you know, six games in the wild card. It was getting interesting, not from the standpoint of making the playoffs, but just how much further above expectations they were going to go. And this doesn't change the fact, Toby, that the season will ultimately go down as a pretty major success. But, man, have they completely crashed back down. It just seems like they've hit a wall, doesn't it? Like, I don't know if it's exhaustion. I don't know if it's just a bunch of young guys that haven't gone through the grind and they're starting to hit that wall where usually they'd be kind of winding down in their seasons around this time in the minors, or especially if you're playing college baseball, you know, you'd be thinking, all right, you're about at that limit where they've never played the full 162 or something like that because so many guys have just hit the wall. They've come back down to earth, you know, they're kind of looking like the guys that maybe you expected to see at the beginning of the year that for so long they've been overachieving. So it's an interesting time for the Nationals because they're just really kind of limping towards the finish here. You'd hope that maybe they can get, you know, some sort of little second wind as they go down the stretch here and kind of finish on a strong note. But right now, the way that they're playing, it's not looking so great. And I think it's just kind of spilled over to everybody. And I think this is, again, we talk about Davey Martinez all the time. This is where he's at his best. He's going to, I think, find a way at some point during the month of September to get the guys kind of turned around. And it's not like they're probably going to go on and have a positive September where they're winning more games and they're losing like, you know, they had a spectacular August. But at the same point, if they can just find a way to get through the end of the season healthy and hopefully turn around just a little bit and get back to some of the good vibes that we were having from this team, I think it's still a positive. And like you said, I mean, obviously a a tough couple 
week stretch here for the Nationals, but overall the season's still been a success, so hopefully they can get back on some winning ways here soon. Let's start with Josiah Gray in terms of some of the guys who are struggling because his regression really since the All-Star break has been pretty stunning. Uh, He came out of the break and gave up 10 hits and four runs in a five-inning outing, and you thought, "Uh uh-oh, here we go. But then he was actually really good in consecutive starts through seven innings of one-run ball against the Giants, through six shutout against the Mets. Uh, The month of August was as bad as we've seen him, though, and that's counting last season. His ERA was over eight. He walked too many hitters. He didn't pitch five innings, but in one of his five starts, and I'm saying get to the fifth, right? Like through the fifth, I should say. He had three and two-thirds, four and two-thirds, three innings, two-inning starts. So it was 19 and a third innings over five starts in that month with an ERA over eight, almost at nine, and 17 walks in 19 innings with 18 strikeouts. So that was bad. You kind of hoped, okay, let's see what happens. Final month's big for him. Let's start September differently against the Marlins. And he was lucky to get out of the first. Now, I know that the Sun Monster cost him a fly ball. We'll talk about his reaction and yelling at Jacob Young in a minute. But he he walked three straight batters after that. He had four walks in the game. He ended up settling in a little bit and going four innings. But if you look at it, he's not throwing strikes. It's not like he's giving up a ton of hits right now, but the home run rate has ticked back up. He's walking the yard. He's not throwing strikes. It has been way too long since he had a really good clean start, and it has gotten really troubling to the point where you almost need to skip him just to let him get his mechanics right. I mean, he can't throw the ball over the plate. Or, you know, like it's it's optionable. I don't think they're going to do that. But, like, if you sent him down to AAA to make a start or two just so he could get his mechanics right, like if you were in a competitive chase for a division and he was doing this for this stretch, I think that's what you would do. Because it's a bad team and you're kind of rebuilding at the big league level, you can kind of keep letting him do it at the major league level. But that's the extent of kind of how bad it's gotten here recently, in my opinion. Not in terms of the results, which are what they are. I just mean throwing strikes, mechanics, throwing the ball over the plate. Like, it's this has gotten ugly. Yeah, I mean, like you said, in his last six starts going back to August 1st, he has thrown 23 and a third innings pitched. He's given up 24 hits, 22 earned runs, walked 21. And that's that's just unacceptable, the walk totals. Like you said, the hits, I mean, a hit per inning, you can live with something like that, but then you're giving up almost a run per inning. That's obviously not acceptable. The ERA just under nine at 8-4, 8-5. So it's not been good for Josiah Gray. And I've talked about this before. Like, I kind of just want to see these guys go through the stretch run here as – you know, these young guys haven't gone through the 162, like I was just saying a little bit earlier. And so I kind of want these guys to go through it so that when this Nationals team is competitive again, whether it's next season, two seasons down the road, whenever it is, they're not going through it for the first time or the second time. Like they've gone through it in a time where this season, you know, if the results aren't great, it's okay. Like it's it's not something that ultimately matters because you're not looking at the win-loss column. So if Josiah Gray goes through the whole month of September and he throws up a 70 RA, it's okay, as opposed to if you're in a playoff race. Like you were saying, maybe you'd have to consider optioning him if you were in a playoff race. But what concerns me, Grant, is that reaction to the drop by Jacob Young, because like I said, I don't want you to shut him down if you know it's not going to affect him physically. I want him to go through it. But it's clearly starting to affect him mentally, because 
you know, he's not the guy that like at times we've seen Mackenzie Gore scream on the mound after he gets a big strikeout to, you know, leave uh, the bases loaded or something like that. He gets out of a jam. We very rarely see Josiah show that kind of emotion. It happens occasionally, but very rarely. I can't think of many instances where he's showing tons of emotion on the mound. And so for him to show emotion in that way, in a negative fashion towards a teammate, obviously it's not something good, but it's clearly gotten to him because Josiah doesn't show a lot of emotion. So for one of the first times this season to really see the emotion come out and it's not, you know, getting a strikeout to leave the bases stranded like he did so many times early in the year. It's not him fist pumping and yelling to the dugout and all those things that you see other pitchers do. Instead, the first time or one of the first times we really see some real raw emotion from Josiah Gray, it's yelling at his outfielder. It, I think it's starting to affect him mentally. So I think you're right on whether they have to skip a start, whether it's maybe they give him one more start to see if something gets fixed and they have to consider maybe giving him a soft shutdown of sorts where they could keep him on the big league roster and maybe try to skip a start or two, or if they need to altogether, just say, hey, man, you're done for the year to try and figure out what is going on mechanically. Whatever the case may be, it's clearly started to affect him because physically he's fine, but for whatever reason, he can't find the strike zone, and I think it's really getting in his head, and that concerns me because you don't want a guy that was an all-star in the first half to have such a bad second half that it starts to affect him and it goes into next year and all of a sudden all the work that he put in to become an all-star just goes down the drain because of a bad second half. Yeah, I think you could say this about several guys, the, the young up-and-comers on this team, but really specifically him. Uh, I, I think that this is such a massive month now. Like, he has to finish strong. And it doesn't have to be necessarily that he pitches to a one-and-a-half ERA. But he's got to figure this out mechanically. He's got to start throwing strikes and getting the ball over the plate. He's got to lower the walk rate the rest of the way. He's going to have another few starts. And if he could turn in three or four good ones, I think it could completely change how you feel going into the offseason where you know his ERA at that point would be in the threes, which would look really respectable. You know, he will have made over 30 starts in the season, which in and of itself in today's day and age in baseball is quite an accomplishment. He'd be upwards of 165 or so, maybe 170 innings, depending on how things goes the rest of the way. So uh, he could still, I think have a finish where kind of like the bread of the sandwich, you look back at this rut and you go, Okay, something got out of whack. You know, mechanically, he wasn't right. But look at how he started. Look at how he finished. And I think it could completely change how we feel going into the offseason. But right now, it, this is kind of an alarming run here. And, and it is problematic. He's only 25. And, and it's, you know, only now his third season in the big leagues in his second full season. So it goes, you know, stands to reason. Uh, it could, you know, that th this is kind of the, the grind. This is the workload catching up to you a little bit. But while there have been some major areas where I think he has shown progression, I mean, we went through time and time again, while his numbers, his ERA, some other uh, numbers were better than the last couple of years to say, you know, the peripherals actually say it's kind of similar right now. And and now what you're seeing is the walks are catching up to him. He's not able to get out of the jams and straight of the runners. Uh, before the All-Star break, he had a 3-4 ERA since a 5-8. Before the All-Star break, you know, he had walked 47 in 100 innings. Now he's walking 28 in 41 innings. I mean, think about that. The average against is almost identical. 
253 versus 255, but the whip's gone from 1.4 to about 1.7. Uh, so it just, it, it's not going to work this way. Um, you know, from a stuff perspective, it's, as we've talked about, he, he is a kind of the ceiling is mid-rotation. And what's more likely, I would say at this point, is like instead of a, a 2-3, maybe a, a 3-4 kind of starter just based on the stuff. Because he's added so much, now it's fastball, slider, cutter, curve, changeup. I mean, he, he throws the kitchen sink. He's, he's The Masson graphic the other day, they had seven pitches, I think, they were showing yeah. that he throws. And if you look at it this year, he throws the slider 26%, the fastball 18%, the cutter 17%, the curveball 16%, the sinker 15%, the sweeper 5%, and he's got a changeup, which he's only used you know, 30 or so times, and it's almost exclusively the lefties. But I guess my point is that six pitches he uses and seven total, which tells you, like, he's not confident, right? I mean, if you had two really good pitches, like, you would just go out there and let your fastball eat. But he's not throwing his fastball. He doesn't trust his fastball. His fastball's getting tagged because it's in the middle of the plate way too often. His walk rate's now ninth percentile. His strikeout rate's 23rd percentile. He's not really getting guys to chase 35th percentile. And it's not like he's overpowering, right? The fastball velocity for the year is around, I think, 93 and a half is, is what his four-seamer is. Uh, but it's 25th percentile fastball. So I'm not sitting here trying to beat up on him. He's got a path to being an effective, really good starter. We saw it early in the year. But it, right now, he's getting behind. He's walking too many guys. And that's a problem for anybody. Like, when Mackenzie Gore does that, throwing 97-98, it's an issue. When Josiah Gray, who's throwing 92 to 94, does that, it's going to be a real problem. Yeah, I mean, his margins aren't as, you know, as easy to see, or he he doesn't have as much room to play with because his stuff isn't as elite as some other guys. That's why we talk about him having a little bit of a limited ceiling, not necessarily being that top of the rotation type guy, because when you think about him and you look at his fastball and you look at the numbers against his fastball, he's not a guy that can get away with missing a fastball over the middle. There are guys around major league baseball, the Garrett Coles of the world that if you're throwing 98, 99, occasionally you can miss right over the heart of the plate and the guy still can't hit it. Now it's not something you can live on, but that's something that Josiah Gray just doesn't have. And so his thing is, He needs to feel confident because he needs to be able to miss barrels with his slider and all of his other pitches. And what happens is when you lose some of that confidence, it's either two things. Either you lose the confidence, you lose some of the feel, and you hang them over the middle of the plate, or you get a little too picky and you don't want to give up the homers and you start nibbling and you're missing off the plate and all of a sudden you start walking, guys. And so we've seen a combination of both of those things with Josiah Gray. He's starting to give up more home runs. And obviously, we've seen the walks go way up. So it's clearly a loss of confidence because his stuff is never going to be as elite as some of the pitchers in Major League Baseball. But he's got very subtle stuff that allows him to still be an effective pitcher. The problem is when you walk so many guys or you leave stuff over the middle of the plate, when you've got the stuff that Josiah has, it's not going to work well for you. He's got to be very fine with the way that he does things. He's got to be very controlled. He's got to have nice command, and he's lost a lot of those things over his last six starts. Yeah, and to his credit this year, he's avoiding the barrel more. You know, the the uh, launch angle is down. Home runs are still way down. He's allowed half of the home runs right now, as he allowed when he led the major leagues last season. And even though there's a few starts left, that, that is an indicator here in the final month how much that number is going to come down by. But if you're comparing... The last couple of years, I mean, the expected batting average against Josiah Gray. So you're talking about off of the bat, like what 
should fall in, what should go for a hit based on exit velo, launch angle, some of those things. Each of the last two years in Washington, 219 expected batting average. This year, 254. I mean, that, that has leaped big time, right? That's not even talking about the walks, where the walk percentage was 10.7 in year one, 10.2 last year, and now has jumped to 12.0, which is bottom 9% of the league. The ERA, 5.4, 5.0. Right now is 4.13, but obviously the FIP would tell you that you know he's been fairly lucky to have uh, that ERA. But you know, the strikeout percentage is down considerably from about 24% to 19%. And the walk rate is up. So he's got to figure this out. Uh, and, you know, it's at a time here organizationally where obviously the plan is that he's going to be a fixture and it should be that way. But if, in fact, they can create more competition and a couple of these arms hit or are better than we think, you know, if they were spending money and had veteran starters and they only had a couple spots for younger guys, then all of a sudden, if Jake Irvin or you know, Mackenzie Gore is obviously a higher ceiling guy, but, you know, DJ hers or some of these other pitching prospects became something. You know, you might start looking over your shoulder. I don't think they have that caliber of other arms like Gray is still ahead of most of those other guys. But it is just going to be him personally wanting to kind of take off in his career. Right. You just became an all star. You want to prove that wasn't a fluke. So it's not necessarily I don't think that there's anybody pushing him or that he's at risk of of not being a, a fixture here for years to come. It's just, you know, you, you got to feel like you're better than this if you're Josiah Gray, and and you should feel that way. And it's not all bad. His average exit velocity is 80th percentile. You know, if you look at his breaking ball and, and the value of kind of what, the movement of those pitches, it's pretty elite, 88th percentile. Hard hit percentage is 68th percentile. So he does some things very well, even during this awful stretch. But bottom line is it's really simple for me. Like I always say this in football, there's nothing worse than watching a defense that can't stop the run. Because when you can't stop the run, like nothing else matters. A team just hands it off and they walk down the field. And to me, that in baseball, that's throwing strikes. Like if you can't throw strikes, if you're just walking the yard like he did in his last start, it's brutal. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Now, we didn't really get into the Jacob Young situation enough, I didn't think. So you you brought it up, but uh, basically, so I haven't seen a good video of how people knew exactly what he said. I saw everyone kind of on Nat's Twitter claiming he said, catch the bleeping ball. What I saw watching the game live as Masson went to break, he kind of turned toward the outfield and screamed. And you could definitely see him yelling out toward the outfield, but I didn't see a shot where you can actually jomboy it and like read his lips. Do you know how people found out what he said or 
like where that came from? Did I miss something? Yeah, I'm not sure. Maybe because you, maybe if people were down in the lower bowl, you could hear it. I'm not sure. I haven't seen anything that I could decipher what he said, but you, right. I've heard enough people but, say that. But you saw like I did that he basically looked out at center, you know, toward the outfield and screamed. Right yeah. after there was a ball lost in the sun. There's nothing you can do about that. I mean, I hate that for JY and I hate, you know, it, Jason Worth used to have it happen. Bryce Harper used to have it happen. That ballpark, for whatever reason, and I don't know the specifics, but the direction of the park and the sun and some of those early day games like that, it, 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 you know, those four o'clock games especially are nightmare. It, it's a disaster. Uh, that's going to happen. So it was really disheartening because. Josiah is such a good dude and such a great leader. Like, remember, he was the guy that went up to Jacob Young, introduced himself when he first walked into the clubhouse while the media was in there. Um, Josiah is the, the number one liaison over at the, the Nats Youth Academy, has another event coming up this week. He's just a true pro and a leader, and he's so mild-mannered. You know, Gore, for all of his, uh, and we've talked to him on the pod about this, but for all of his, like, antics and yelling and things on the mound, it's always about himself. You know, he never yells at a teammate. I've, I, him and Victor Robles got into it for the right reasons. But he it was did in that the dugout. In the, yeah, in the dugout, not out on the field. Like, yeah. he's never crossed that line. And the line Josiah crossed, and I know he was, he felt bad about it. He apologized, and he's come out and said, I'm a better man than that. I'm a better teammate than that. And he's right. But, like, you just don't really see that. It's it's a, it's as bad a look as there is for a pitcher. Uh, because if you're Jacob Young, you could scream back at him, throw a strike, damn it. You know, like, <laughs> how about don't walk everybody? That yeah. would be nice. Uh, but that was not cool to see. And, and uh, you know, JoJo, as you know this, that's my boy. Like, that that's my favorite player on the team probably, uh, just in terms of guys that I root for as a dude, not as much just, like, just the playing part. But uh, so it was tough for me seeing that. But it happens. You know, you rub dirt on it and you move along. Yeah, and I think that's why, again, like – you know, at the end of the season, even if Josiah has a really rough last month of the season, I'm not going to be thinking that he should lose his spot in the rotation or anything, because I think we saw enough early on in the season. But this is why it's a little maybe more concerning than just the numbers to me is it clearly has started to get into his head where he's really struggling with it and he's probably battling with it and he's thinking about it on his drive home every single day. And it's something that, you know, he can't just leave at the ballpark, you know, sometimes pitchers or hitters or just athletes in general you're able to kind of turn it off and just let it go but if it just continues to fester in your mind non-stop and it's something that just eats away at you then that's how you can have something where a very mild-mannered guy like Josiah Gray kind of goes off on a teammate and that's something that the Nationals haven't had happen in a while I think that's something that Davey does a good job of making sure it doesn't happen and if it does it gets handled in the clubhouse or at least in the dugouts but Again, that's why I'm a little bit worried about him. I think, again, I think it's going to be all right, and I think well, everything will be fine. I don't think we'll see that again from Josiah Gray. But it's just something that hopefully he's able to get past it. Hopefully he's able to you know, mend the relationships, which I'm sure he's already done in the clubhouse. But on top of that, hopefully he can kind of find a way to put what's going on on the field, some of the bad results past him so he can work on the mechanics so he can get back to the guy that we saw as an all-star in the first half. Yeah, along those lines, I guess, said differently. Um, I just think him yelling at Jacob Young had nothing to do with Jacob Young. If, if that 100%. You know, like, that is an outburst over, like, him being livid about his current situation. And it's, you know, it's like uh, me and my wife occasionally will snip at each other. And we don't, it's, it's like, no, we haven't slept because we have a, a baby that's a month old and our <laughs> kids are driving us crazy. And there's three of them, right? It's like... 
Uh, you know, I'm mad at her because she didn't put the keys on the counter and she left them in the bag. And so I got in the car and I had to walk back in the house and I'm like, why aren't the keys on the counter? And I'm like, really, this has nothing to do with the keys. Let's be honest. I, I just, I, I just in a bad mood because it's been a long day. Right. Yeah, so exactly. I, I think that's kind of what was going on there. Um, if I had to guess.